I'll tell you what, I left here last week just charged uh, in my spirit, and I really just kind of felt like I was on a cloud all week. Uh, we talked about uh, last week our vision, and we talked about what that was in 2021 and what we felt like God was speaking to us, and that, that is simply this, make room. Everyone look at your neighbor and say, make room. Now, we're not doing that just to social distance, but we're, we're actually making room uh, because I believe that God is expanding our borders. God is, is telling us to take our tent stakes and spread them out and to prepare. Um, I, I don't, uh, I've said this to, I know the board at least, and I may have said this last week. It's important as, as a church that when, uh, when God has put a great calling on all of us here, everybody, not just me, but everybody here. And our job is to win the lost here in Lawrence County and Monroe County, and Greene County, and am I missing any other counties that people come from? I don't know, Marion, uh, just keep going. All of them around us, all right? And a as, a, as a body, God has given us great uh, responsibility. There's great things that are, they're helping me out right here, right now. God has given us great responsibility, and we have to be good stewards of what God has given us. Amen? Amen? And so I, uh, last week I talked about make room, and we talked about um, how uh, we need to make room in our hearts for God. That's the first thing that we have to do. Uh, you know, we have to get this right before we can get all of this right. Amen? If we get this right, the rest falls in place. If I get my heart right, my relationship with my wife gets better. All right, all the men just need to shake your head and say, yes, if I get this, all the women, if you get this right, your relationship with your husband will be better. Okay? And so uh, we talked about that, and, and, and we have to declutter our hearts, and we have to get things out of our lives that don't belong there. I, I kind of likened our hearts sometimes to the show Hoarders, where our hearts look like that, where we're just we're carrying things, and we have things that we think are important that aren't really important, and Jesus is just trying to get through our hearts like this. He's like, man, there's a lot of stuff in here, right? Um, but what happens when, when we make room for God, we open up our hearts, and we start to make room for God to do the miraculous in our hearts. How many believe that? All right, a few of you believe that, so I will keep going. And, and God not only wants to do the miraculous uh, 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 with us, but he wants to do it through us. How many believe that? All right, good. All right, a few more there. As a believer, I know that, that Jesus said that the law hangs on two things. I talked a little bit about this on Wednesday night. Uh, the law hangs on two things, uh, and love being, being the main thing. But he said, love the Lord God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself, okay? You want a real simple Gospel message, that's it. Love God, love people. I'm not the Pope, okay? But love God, this is, uh, this is our vertical relationship with God, and love people, horizontal. I mentioned this Wednesday night that four, uh, four of the Ten Commandments deal with my relationship with God. And then the last six deal with my relationship with people. So it goes down, two simple things. The law hangs on these two things. Love God, love people. Amen. And as the people of God, man, we ought to love God more than anybody, and we ought to love people more than anybody. And so uh, last week we evaluated our hearts, uh, and we just asked God to be first in our lives. And this week I want to talk to you about the second part of, of uh, we talked about loving God, but this week I want to talk to you about loving your neighbor. Real simple, loving your neighbor. And, uh, you know, what I, my, what I titled this today was simple as this, make room at the table. That's why I had them bring a table up here. Make room at the table. I'm probably going to bump into this thing, truthfully, because I'm not used to it being there. How many have ever been out to eat with a, with a large group of people? And I've done this because uh, I've been to conferences with pastor friends and stuff. And, and, and usually, you know, sometimes even out of church, we leave here and we're like, hey, we're going to go eat somewhere. And a group of us go eat somewhere, right? And, and sometimes we, we're inviting, you know, different people and they all come and we want everyone to be included. And when we get there, someone else shows up and we're like, you know, they've already given you a table with 18 or whatever. And then here comes a family of five, my family coming in late. And then it's like, hey, okay, you know what? It's not a big deal. We'll just add more, more room at the table, right? And, and so 
I, I want to just say this. In 2021, what I feel like God is telling us as a church is simply this. We have to make more room at our table. Make more room at our table. And how many know that God loves people? You know how I know that? He loves me. You know how you should know that? He loves you. The Bible tells us, right? Uh, and the church, the church, listen, we, if you want to know what the, what the church exists for, it is in the people business. That is it. We love people. We're in the people business. And here, here's the thing. If we aren't reaching people, if we aren't touching people with the gospel message of Jesus Christ, can I tell you, we will soon be out of business. Because in our own finite minds, no matter what programs we operate in, no matter what we try to accomplish on, on our own, if it isn't gospel-centered, guess what? It's going to fall flat on its face. It's amazing to me, this is how powerful the gospel is, the gospel being the good news of Jesus Christ. This is how powerful the gospel is. He puts it in your hands and he puts it in my hands. That's how powerful it is. It doesn't matter. You know, I look at myself and I feel like the least qualified person to be here. But God says, hey, here's the gospel, spread it. It's pretty amazing to me, but God loves people. Everyone say amen. Uh, and and if, if God loves people, then I'm called to love those same people that he loves. Right? If God loves people, then I'm called to love those same people that he loves. And sometimes that's easy and sometimes that's the most difficult thing in the world to do. How many have ever had trouble loving on somebody? Lord, help us, right? But here's what I know, that the Lord will help us to make room at the table here at Cornerstone Worship Center. Are you talking about having a dinner, TJ? No, that's not what I'm talking about. Don't, don't mis misunderstand what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is this. We have to open up our table to anybody that's coming. Okay, listen, we're, we're going to be in 2 Samuel chapter 9. If you have your Bibles, 2 Samuel chapter 9. Everyone look at your neighbor and say 2 Samuel chapter 9. Put your neighbor on the other side who you don't like as much and say, uh, did you bring your Bible? And if you didn't, we have it up here on the screen. It says this. One day, David asked, is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. God, it's ever changed. It's changing us, God, each and every day. God, it, it cuts between the morrow. God, I pray, Lord, that your word goes forth today in truth and in power. God, I pray, Lord, that we leave here, God, just charged with your presence, God. God, that we would not just be hearers of the word, Lord, but we would be doers of the word. God, you've called us, Lord, to reach our community. God, I pray, Lord, that you would just let that burn in our hearts each and every day, each and every hour. In your name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Everyone look at your neighbor and say, make room at the table. So one day David asked, is anyone in, in Saul's family still alive? Anyone to whom I can show kindness to? Now here's my first point. If you're, if you're a note taker, you can write this down. And this is going to be overly simple today, but you know me. Simple mind, you get simple sermons, okay? Simple mind, you get simple sermons. All right, number one is this. This is what we have to do to make room at the table. We have to find at least one. Find at least one. Can I tell you this? If we look for someone, we'll find someone. Here, I'll give you a good example. If you look for a, uh, you know, let's just say before you were married, if you look for a spouse, guess what? Chances are you could probably find a spouse. If you look for a job, you could probably find a job. Is it everything you ever wanted? Maybe not, but you could find a job, right? And so this is what we need to know. If you look, you'll find someone. See, David, this is, this is great because David was just looking for one person to bless. He's just looking for one person to bless. He's like, hey, is there anybody? And something stirred inside of him, and, it, and, it, and he thought, 
let me bless just one person. It, it's amazing. I don't know what he was doing because what you need to understand about David at this place, he had been king for 15 years. Saul had been out of the picture for 15 years, okay? He had been king for 15 years. And, and, and honestly, he had, uh, if we look at this, if you rewind 15 years, when he took over, this is what happened. Remember, Saul died, and, and Jonathan died, and most of Saul's sons died there in the battle uh, uh, at, at Mount Geboa. And when they died, this is what happened. When David was, became king, this is how it worked. They would go through, and they would basically annihilate all of Saul's family just to keep a coup from, from coming up. So someone couldn't say, hey, I'm Saul's son, or I'm Saul's lost, lost relative, and I should be the king. So they would basically just wipe them out. You say, man, that's bloody and that's crazy. Well, that's just what they did, okay? And in the process, if you go back to 2 Samuel chapter 4, we learn of Saul's family and, and they're, uh, they're, they're being killed except for one guy. And there's this guy, and I'm, I'm probably going to butcher his name 500 times, but I, I've been practicing it all week, okay? And his name is Mephibosheth. Everyone say Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth, in the process of all of Saul's family being annihilated, that it says that, that, that he had a nurse or he had a nanny. And in knowing what was happening, this nurse and nanny, she took, she took a little bit of, she was pretty smart. And Mephibosheth, yeah, I told you I was going to mess up. Mephibosheth, he basically was five years old, and she grabbed him. And in the process of, 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 of trying to get away with him, she either, number one, dropped him. Or she fell running with him, and in the process, she caused great damage to this young man. And when she dropped him or they fell, he became permanently injured. See, this is a tragic story. When we look at this, I mean, we think, man, this five-year-old kid who really didn't, didn't know any better, uh, just, just happened. His only crime was he was the, the grandson of King Saul. And in the process of trying to run away to, to save his life, he gets dropped or something, and his legs are mangled, and they're lame. And it's a very tragic story. Ladies and gentlemen, can I tell you this, that there are people who have been dropped and have been hurt, and it wasn't their fault. Some of you today are sitting here under the sound of my voice, and you've been dropped by someone, and you've been hurt by someone. And it may not have been your fault. Maybe you've been abused. Someone dropped you. Maybe physically they abused you. Maybe someone has abused you emotionally. Maybe someone has abused you sexually. Can I tell you something? That was not your fault. Come on, let's give him a hand if we're going to give him a hand. Some of you have been dropped. Some of you have learned and felt the pain of being abandoned. Maybe your parents left you. Maybe you were a young child and your father walked out of your life. Or maybe you were a young child and you're trying to understand why your, your mom is leaving your dad for another man and you felt abandoned. You were dropped. What about this? You have friends and you thought, man, this is my friend. They're going to be my friend for life. And they walk away from you and they turn away from you. And you don't even know why. Being abandoned, here's another way that we're dropped, by being betrayed or lied to. Maybe your spouse was unfaithful. Maybe your spouse left you. You felt betrayed. They dropped you, and you felt pain. And maybe people have accused you of things that you didn't do. Can I tell you that? You've, they've lied on your character. They, they accused you of things. And you felt like it hurt you and that you were dropped and here's another one that we could even talk about. There's moments in our life when you're around people, this is what's going to happen. Like, can I tell you something? No matter what church you go to, there are no perfect leaders. There are no perfect people. And if you go to the perfect church, leave because you're going to ruin it. I'm just being real. And oftentimes this happens, people and leaders, and we feel like people that we, we put faith in, they drop us in the midst, and, and they, we think they're carrying us, and then they drop us, and then we're hurt. And what happens in this, and we, we see in Meshebetheth, his, his whole story here is, is this, he's dropped and he's mangled, and from that point, he can no longer walk 
on his own. And can I tell you something? When you've been dropped, when you've been betrayed, when you've been abandoned, your walk changes. And when we look at people, we have to understand sometimes they're not walking the same speed as me. But I have to be discerning as a believer to understand and know I don't know what they've been through. And I don't know, maybe they've been dropped at some point. These people, and oftentimes we've been dropped and, and, and we've been mangled by someone else's actions. And if we, here's the thing, if we knew every story, if you look to the person to your left and you look to the person to your right, if you knew every story about that person, you would probably be amazed at their testimony. Or you would probably be going, man, I didn't know that you went through that. Because here's what I know about people. Oftentimes the thing that, that, that we've been through, we oftentimes cover up or we don't want people to know about it. We feel guilt about it. We feel pain about it. And I, I want to just say this. I believe that the nanny or the nurse's intentions were good. Hey, I'm going to try to save this young man, and I'm going to try to run with him. And I believe her intentions were good. And sometimes that happens too. People have good intentions, but sometimes they just make bad mistakes. And sometimes things just happen. Not everything is somebody doing something. Sometimes things just happen. And can I tell you this, and you've heard me say this, churches, they are, there are, church, can I tell you this, there's hurting people all around us, all around us. If we were to take a field trip and walk out the, the back doors of this church and go across the street to the apartment complex and go to these houses, I bet you we can learn some stories that would probably amaze us of people that have been hurt. And it's our job as believers to recognize and discern people's needs with the love of Christ that resides in us. That's it. I know this is way too simple. And I love this about David. David's just sitting there one day. I don't know. I don't know if he's, if, if maybe uh, CNN has come to interview him about his great life. But he's sitting, something has caused him to go. I'm just joking. CNN wasn't around back then, okay. So, uh, uh, so, he, so he's there. And something caused something inside of his mind to go back to a moment. And he said, you know what? I remember my friend Jonathan. Now Saul's son. Jonathan, who was the rightful heir to, to the throne. Basically, him and David were, were great friends. Matter of fact, Saul tried to kill David, and Jonathan told him to zigzag when Saul was coming at him and, and really had his back. And Jonathan understood something. You got to give him props on this. He understood the calling of God on David's life. It's pretty amazing. It was his rightful place, but he understood God's calling was more important than what he thought was right. 2 Samuel 9, verses 2 and 3 said, The king then asked him, this is David, is anyone still alive? Notice that, anyone, anyone. He didn't preface that with, with, with uh, he didn't say it had to be a specific, but is anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show God's kindness to them. When's the last time you showed God's kindness to someone? When's the last time you thought to yourself, hey, I need to show this person kindness. I need to show this person love. When's the last time you walked in that? And it says this. Zebo replied, yes, one of Jonathan's sons is still alive. He is crippled in both feet. And I love this about David. He doesn't throw a qualifier out there. He didn't say he had to be a perfect person. He didn't say he had to be this. He just had to be from Saul's family. That, that's all he said. He said, is there anyone from Saul's family? He says, and, and he didn't say they had to be able to take care of themselves. Can I just say this, people of God, when we are being discerning and we're looking for one, we cannot throw qualifiers out there. Well, you got to have your life right. you got to be perfect. you got to dress this way. That's not our job as believers. We shouldn't be throwing qualifiers. You can't come to our church unless. No, no, no. You've got it messed up. We need you to come to our church, right? We want you to come to our church. And I love that. Anyone, David said, anyone. And Jesus would say this, if anyone is thirsty, anyone, no qualifier, anyone. Jesus said that. That means you, that means me, that means the person that you despise the most, anyone. Jesus said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come and drink of me. And I've been caught on that verse all 
year, this year, 2021. You've heard me quote that almost like four or five times. Anyone. And our job as believers is to love our neighbor as ourself. Everyone look at your neighbor and say, I love you. Like I love me. Oh, I got quiet on that second part. Our job is not to qualify them for help, but to reach out in love and kindness. Now, let me ask you this, and this is a rhetorical question. It means I'm going to ask it, and I want you to think about it. I don't need your answer, okay, just in case you didn't know what a rhetorical question was. But it's this. When's the last time you were moved in compassion for someone? Stop and think about that for a minute. When's the last time? And I'm not talking about your kids because that's easy. And I'm not talking about your family members because that's easy. It's easy for me to move in compassion. I'm not talking about your friends. That's easy to move in compassion for someone. What about somebody who can do nothing for you at all that you may never, ever, ever see again? When was the last time you were moved in compassion? I mean, I'm going to tell you something. When, when I think about that and, and, I, and, I, and I go through my daily routine and, I, and I, I'm, I'm out and about and I'm in the stores and I'm, and I'm just thinking and I see people and, and I can't help but think if, if Jesus was here, he would look at that person and say, I have compassion for that person. I love that person. But oftentimes I'm so busy doing what TJ is doing that I miss and I have these blinders on that I miss the opportunity to be Jesus' hands and feet. Amen? Amen. And so many of us, uh, many, and many of Jesus' miracles, when we, when we look back at it that were performed, he was moved with compassion. Go back and you can, you can look them up. Let's look up the word compassion. Put it in Google, compassion in the New Testament. You'll see that most of the, the pre-qualifiers for Jesus to do a miracle was compassion that led him to do it. Not because that person was perfect, not because they qualified, not because, because he just loved them. David, by looking for one to bless, is aligning himself with God's blessing. Can I tell you this? When we, when we look for the one to bless, let me tell you what we're doing. We're aligning ourselves with how Jesus sees people. We are. There's no better place to align yourself than with the blessing of God. If God loves them, align yourself with them. I'm going to love them. If God would bless them, align yourself with them and bless them. Don't just talk, talk is cheap. Don't, I've been talking about this in the book of James. Talk is cheap. Don't just talk about it, but do it. Do it. All right. So uh, when we do this, we are opening ourselves up for a blessing. And my job is to find one. Everyone look at your neighbor and say, my job is to find one. Find one. Not to pick or choose who's perfect, but find one. I love this story because this is one of the greatest stories. And, and, and know this, that in every New Testament principle, there's, a, there's an Old Testament example. And this is, this is one of those examples. This is an example of redemption. You are redeemed by Jesus. Because Jesus stepped in the gap for Jesus was David and said, is there one that I can bless? And he said, I will go take the weight of the cross for you. That's the story of redemption. I love that. And I say this, as a church, God help us to find one. I'm not telling you to go out and to reach 10,000 people, but I want you this week find one person to show compassion to, to show love to, to be the example that Christ has called you to be. You say, who, 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 do, who do I do that? I, I think you need to pray about it. I think you need to let the Holy Spirit lead you. That might be that person that you totally don't like at work, that never shows up on time, that always makes you work late, that always makes you do. That might be the compassionate moment that you have. Oh, that's not easy, TJ. Exactly. If you can put a qualifier on it, just find one, right? And let me tell you why. Let me tell you why it's important. God loves people. And people matter to God. So people should matter to me. Souls matter to God. So souls should matter to me. Everyone say, find one. Here's the second part, I, second thing right here. Go to the dry place. Go to the dry place. Everyone look at your neighbor say, go to the dry place. Come on, say it with, say it with some, come on, say, go to the dry place. 
Amen. We could use some desert temperatures today, right? Raise the temperature of like 40 degrees. All right. Where we find uh, the people that hurt the most are usually in the driest places. Maybe they're emotionally numb. Maybe they're spiritually dry. Second Samuel 4 says, over, uh, chapter 9, verse 4 says this. Where is he? And this is King David, he asked. In, in Lodabar, Ziba told him, and at the home of, of Machar, son of Amiel. So David sent for him and brought him from Machar's home, and his name was Mephibosheth, and he was Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. Scripture tells us he was lame in his legs and he couldn't walk. Can you imagine this, being five years old and 15 years, um, being lame, and, but not only being lame, but also being hidden. You're not, you're not worthy because if, if we bring you out into the light, he was in the witness protection program, basically, is what he was. And they hid him in this town. And Lodabar name, it's, it's super important. The, town, the town's name is important because it means this. It means no pasture or no green, no grass, dry or barren. Southern California is what I'd call it. Lodabar, it doesn't rain there. It's, there's nothing going on, right? grass definitely wasn't greener there. And can I tell you this, uh, the, grass, uh, the grass wasn't green there, but can I tell you this, the grass may be greener. Sometimes we always, we hear that adage, the grass is greener over there. But th where the grass is greener, the water bill is higher. And where the grass is greener, there may be a septic tank underneath it. Right? And this is what Lodabar was. It was a place of unskilled, the unimportant, the weak, the uneducated, the outcast of society. And if you found yourself in Lodabar, you were the bottom of the barrel. And Meshibosheth, the outcast, the lame man, hiding in a dry place. Have you ever felt dry in your heart? Have you ever felt like you were in a season of dryness? You ever felt like an outcast, that maybe you were being overlooked and people weren't paying attention to you and you felt like that, that you, you had a greater purpose, but things weren't moving in, in the way that you thought. And maybe you're, you, you, you're here today and you feel like in your past someone dropped you or you feel like an outcast and that you'll never be good enough. And you may feel like, hey, I'm, I'm spiritually in a loaded bar place, a dry place. Seems impossible. I'm over here with the unfit toys over here in this, this island. We're all existing, okay? Be careful when you're around those kind of people because there's this mentality, a woe is me mentality that begins to happen. He was an outcast. He was in a dry place. And this is what I know. And maybe this is you. Maybe you're in a dry place because you're hiding from a situation that you don't want to deal with. Uh, but if I, if I go, if, if David knows about me, this may happen, this may happen, so I'm just going to just sit here and do nothing. It's dry and it's barren. Can I tell you this, and this is, this is something I want you to catch in your hearts, church, and this is my heart right here. You say, I, 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 don't, know, I don't know how to see opportunities for, for God to use me. Can I tell you this? The need is the call. If there's a need, that's the call. You don't have to come to me and say, you know, you can come to me and say, hey, pastor, what would I love that if you do and say, hey, what can I do? But can I tell you something? If you see someone who needs groceries, that's the call. If God has put someone in front of you who is hurting, that's the call. If God puts someone on your heart that you could pick up the phone and call and encourage him, that's literally the call. The need is the call. Everyone say, the need is the call. And can I tell you this? The need doesn't always come in a nice, neat package with a pretty bow on top. Sometimes it comes in a Tasmanian devil form. <laughs> You're like, why, Lord? Right? Sometimes it's sitting in a dry and a barren place, hiding. And this is what I know. Church, we have to go and we have to compel them to come. You have to go to their level and you have to grab them. That's one thing I love about Jesus is he always got to people's level. He didn't let them stay down there, but he got on their level and he elevated them up to where he was at. And that's what we have to do as believers. 
you know, here's the thing. Your neighbor needs help. That's the call. Someone needs to jumpstart their car. You have jumper cables. That's the call. Right? Someone needs groceries. That's the call. And it's there, maybe in the dry place that we have to open our eyes to see, to have eyes, eyes to see and ears to hear what the need is. In the dry place. It's not always easy. And, and this is what we need to know. Meshibabeth, his name means shameful bread. Weird name, right? This is a weird name. It literally means. And, and, and this is, you know, I, I, can't, I can't tell you this is what it was, but I believe he had some sort of breathing issue as well. Okay, this is my personal opinion. You can research that if you want. But his name literally meant shameful breath. And maybe that might have been why the, the nurse was carrying him because he couldn't run. I don't know. But under the guilt of being dropped, the guilt of being in the dry place, and oftentimes as believers we get there and sometimes we're there and we're, man, man, I am feeling guilty about something that God's blood has already covered. And we always mention it, God, I feel guilty about it. And God's like, Guilty for what? Because uh, when I forgave you, I, I kind of forgot about why you keep bringing this up. But we feel guilt uh, and, 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 under, and, and we feel guilt and we feel like we're in a dry place and we feel shameful and we feel incompetent. And, and honestly, his name means shameful breath. And that doesn't mean that he had halitosis. Thank you. That means bad breath, just so you know. But he's, he had some kind of breathing issue. But the shame of your past is, is wearing on you. How many of you have ever felt that way? Past mistakes. You know God's blood has covered it, but you also, you, you go back and you start pulling it back up. Saying, God, I can't believe I did that. And you're the one carrying guilt that you were never intended to carry. Can I tell you this? The king is calling. Like David, the king is calling. And I love this. Church family, we have to make room in our lives for moments to go and grab people in shame and in guilt and in mangled situations. And, and maybe their, their limp and their walk is not as fast as ours, but we, gotta, we can't be so fast that we can't turn around and, and help grab their hand and pull them along and say, hey, we're going to make it. We're going to get here. I believe in you. We're going to do this together. And this story, I love this because it's redemption story. It's full of grace. And it's full of mercy. Here's my third point. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back. Lead with love and not fear. Lead with love and not fear. Number three. 2 Samuel 9, verse 6 and 7 says, When he came to David, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect, David said, greetings, Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth replied, I am your servant. David said, don't be afraid. I intend to show kindness to you because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul. And you will eat here with me at the king's table. I love this because this is a great redemption story. This is a guy that went from zero to hero like this. That's how God works. He takes us from zero to hero like this because God loves people. Amen. And I like this because David, what he does here, when he comes in, he doesn't, he doesn't call him, uh, you know, weakling. He doesn't call him by his by his lameness, he doesn't call him by his breathing issue, he doesn't call him by those, he calls him what, by name. Can I tell you this today, that Jesus knows your name, and he's calling you by name, no matter who's dropped you, no matter how, how many times you've fallen, no matter how much pain you've felt, he's saying, calling you by name, he's saying, Wyatt, he's saying Matt, he's saying Noah, he's saying Brayden, he's saying Tristan, I want to leave the ladies out, Christina, <laughs> and he's calling you by name, Jesus, you remember at the tomb, after he resurrected, he called Mary by her name, 
Remember, she didn't know who he was. She thought, she thought he, was, he was the gardener and he said, Mary. And then she was like, oh, my sheep know my voice. And the shepherd knows your name today. And I love that. Amen. And today Jesus is calling you by name. David says this, don't be afraid. Today you may feel guilty in yourself. You may feel dry. You may feel lame. You may feel mangled, insufficient. Can I tell you Jesus is calling you and he's saying don't be afraid. See, Mephibosheth had every reason to be afraid. He survived 15 years hidden, but he probably heard his whole life, we can't let David's family or anyone know that you're here because as soon as they know that you're here, they're going to just wipe you out. And so his whole life he had lived in fear of what was going to happen. And some of you are afraid to step into the promise of God because you, you live in fear and you're, you're so worried about the guilt and the pain that's on you. Can I tell you, he's calling you by name and he's saying this, fear not. Come on. Fear not. Don't be afraid to take that step. I love this right here. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. And grace is getting what we don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. But, and grace is getting what we don't deserve. And thank God for both of them in my life. Grace and mercy. Grace and mercy. I need grace and mercy. You need grace and mercy. 2 Samuel 9, verse 8 says, Mephibosheth bowed respectfully and exclaimed, Who is your servant that you should show so much kindness to a dead dog like me? That tells me all I need to know about him. He thought he was nothing. He thought he was unimportant. And maybe that was a cry for help. I don't know. Then the king summoned Saul's servant, Ziba, and said, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. What was yours, I'm restoring. What the devil took, I'm going to give back to you. You and your sons and servants are to farm the land for him to produce food for your master's household. You're going to take care of his family. You guys are going to do it. This is all his land. You guys are going to do this for him. He's not capable of doing it, but you're going to do it for him. Look at this. It says, but Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, will eat here at the table with me. He's not going to have to worry about farming. He's not going to have to worry about, about himself. But he is going to get a chair and he is going to be able to sit at the table with me. Come here, Wyatt. Come here, Noah. Come here, Brayden. Guys, have a seat. Come on. Come here, Joe. Come on. He's like, oh, man, I almost made it out of there. So close. Look, we could, we could pretend that this is our church and that we have met our capacity and it doesn't seem like that we can add anybody else. And we may have this mindset that this is just us, but, but I know that redemption story says otherwise because David's table could have been full by anybody at any given moment. He could have put anybody in there at any given moment. But this is, this is how good God is. And this is why I know David was a man after God's own heart because this is redemption's story. This is how God works. When it seems like everything is full, this is what God does. God says, oh, I got another chair right here. Come here, Zaley. Come on. Grab another chair. Grab another chair. Help me, help, help me, Greg. Grab another chair real fast. Yeah, just, just unhook that chair right there, right where you're at. Don't, don't drop your phone. See, this is unorganized, but this is what I, what, I, what I felt. Pull another chair up to the table. Slide over. 
Go ahead and sit down. This is the story of redemption right here. When we think it's all full, listen, church, when we think that we've, re we've reached our capacity, let me tell you something. You know what we do when the table looks like this? We add another table. We begin to spread our, we begin to pull our tent stakes out and say, hey, there's room for more. There's room for more. You may not be perfect, but there's room for you. You may be bald, but there's room for you. You may be ugly, but there's room for you. Sorry, I'm just picking on everybody up here. Listen to this. Man and woman, there's room at the table for you. There's room at Cornerstone for you. This is a place for you. Some of you have felt like you were dropped, you were mangled, sitting in a dry season or a place, guilty, scared, in fear, because you feel like you aren't good enough. Can I tell you that's a lie of the enemy, and there's a place for you. And Jesus says this. Come and sit at the table. Psalms 23 says this. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemy. And where you feel like you're being attacked by the enemy, left and right, left and right, left and right. Let me tell you what God says. Pull a chair up to the table. We're going to sit down. We're going to eat. We're going to rest about this. You don't have to worry about anything because we're going to eat while the enemy's trying to attack you. You are his son. You are his daughter. God is calling you to eat at his table. And when we do this, the blood covers our sins. And Meshibabeth, he, when he sat underneath the table, can I show you something? This is real practical. This is super easy. But when he sat underneath the table, he pulled himself up to the table. His mangled legs, he couldn't see anymore. And he saw eye to eye with King David. And he could look him in. And David saw him as an equal that day. He said, I want to bless you. I want to love you. Can I tell you today, God is calling you and he's saying, I love you. And I want to bless you. And I've got room for you. And I just need you to take a step towards me. And I need you to just pull a chair up to the table. We'll spread out. We'll make more room. There's two people I want to talk to today. You guys just stay right there. You're doing a good job. Two people I want to talk to today. I want to talk to those who are hurting, those who felt like you've been dropped. And maybe that's you, and maybe you feel like, man, someone really dropped me. You don't know my story, TJ, and I, I've never told anyone this, but can I tell you, someone dropped me, someone hurt me, someone abused me, someone... Someone betrayed me. Someone abandoned me. And let me tell you something. It hurts. And I've been in a dry place. And I've been in a, a place that I feel guilty. But I, I hear what you're saying. That Christ is saying, come. Christ is saying, come. I've made room for you. And if you're here under the sound of my voice, with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, I want to give you a moment to, to make things right with God today. You're here under the sound of my voice, and you say, hey, I hear you, TJ. I, I, I hear what you're saying, and I need that redemption story in my life. I know I'm not perfect. I know I've made my mistakes. But can I tell you that Jesus is the lifter of your head? And any guilt that you're feeling, he will replace with joy and peace and love and kindness. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, I want to give you that moment. With all heads bowed, all eyes closed. No one looking around. Just for the reverence. Just reverence the Holy Spirit today. And you say, hey, I want to know Jesus as my personal Savior. I want to rededicate my life today. This is your moment right here, right now. Just lift your hand. Anybody in the building? Anybody in the building today? All right. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Let's all pray this together. Say, Jesus, 
I ask you, Lord, to be the Lord of my life. I believe that you lived, that you died, and were resurrected on a cross for my sins. Lord, I believe you're coming back for a pure and spotless bride. God, I confess, Lord, with my mouth today, I ask you, Lord, to forgive me for all the sin in my life. God, I ask that you replace guilt and shame with joy and peace. In the mighty name of Jesus. Come on and give Jesus a hand clap of praise. Come on, for the one soul, heaven's rejoicing right now. Heaven's rejoicing right now. It's the second, second group I want to talk to today. Listen, now this is, this is my, my, my church family here. We made room for God last week. And this week, we turn our attention and we say, God, I've got this right. But God, can you help my heart? Can you help me to love people like you love people? Can you, can you help me to see people through the lens of Jesus Christ and not through the lens of T.J. Skiles? Because here's my thing. When I look at people the way I see them, guess what? I don't always see them through the lens of, of love that Jesus does. I see imperfection. I look at people and think, man, are they really worthy? I'm just being truth and honest today. But I say this, God, as the people of God coming into 2021, and we say, God, we want to expand our, our tent. Lord, we want to make room for people. Lord, I, I, I want to make room in my heart for people, God. And, and in order to do that, God, I have to live a life that's bigger than what I see. And under the sound of my voice, you say, hey, that's me, pastor. That's me, pastor. All heads bow. Let's just bow our heads. I Just be reverent. Reverent today to what the Spirit's doing. He's doing something in this place. I, 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 he's churning hearts. He's, 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 he's stirring. <laughs> he's stirring something in here right now. You say, Pastor, hey, I want to I wanna move forward in 2021. I want to ex expand our borders. I want to be a steward of what God's given me, and I want to treat it right, and I want to love on people, and I want to see people like, 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 like Jesus sees people, and I want to see the best in people. I want to love on people, and when they reject me, I want to love on them more because that's how I want to see them because I know they need to know you. And you hear that, and you hear me saying that today, and you say, hey, I'm moved to do something for God. And I need to learn to make room at the table for, for, for one, for at least one. Would you be man and woman enough to say, hey, I, I need to really pray about that. I, I, I need, to, I need to, to be better at that. If that's you, under the sound of my voice, would you just lift your hand? I want to pray with you. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, hands are just going up everywhere. This is encouraging today because I'm going to tell you. God's about to do something, and you might as well get, get, get in, get in while, while the ship's moving. Let's pray. God, stand with me all across this building. God, I pray, Lord, that your spirit, Lord, would begin to just move in this place, God. God, I pray, Lord, that our hearts would be moved in love and compassion, God. God, that our hearts wouldn't move in wrath and anger, but they would be moved in love 
God, for the lost, God, as we go about our daily life, God, as we go in the grocery store, Lord, as we, we go into the gas station, God, God, let us seize the moments where we can be discerning and we can see hurting people, Lord, through the Holy Spirit speaks to us and says, buy that person's lunch today or, or love on that person. Can you just tell that person that I love them? God, let us be brave enough, God, let us be bold enough in the Holy Spirit to just go up to people and just begin to declare the goodness of God over them and, and pray with them in the middle of the aisle at, at Walmart, God. God, I ask, Lord, that you would just take us, God, as, as we begin to make room at the table, God, Lord, that our hearts would become wider, Lord, that we would learn to love our neighbor, God, as we love ourselves, God, that we would move forward, God. We know that you love us, God, and we know that you love people. So knowing that, God, that you love people, we say, Lord, we love people. God, help me to love people like you love people. God, we declare, God, things that have been spoken over people, God, uh, uh, <laughs> prophecies, God, that maybe have been dormant in people's lives, God, may they come to life, God, I believe that there's a stirring, God, there's a stirring of the gift of God that is happening right now in the people of God, that's happening right now in this church, God, and I believe, God, that the harvest is great, but God, I believe Lord, that you've given us all that we need to succeed. God, I pray, Lord, that we open our minds and open our hearts to what you have. God, let us see people the way you see them. God, in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray, we believe it, and we know it, and we claim it. And in Jesus' name we pray. Come on and just love on the Lord. Will you just do that for me? Stand with me. Come on and give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Worthy are you, Lord. I'm going to ask them to sing this song. And while we do this, this is what I want you to do. I want you to just search your heart and say, hey, God, we prayed about it. We believe it. But, God, this week, Lord, give me one. I'll, I'll start small. Give me one. Give me one. And maybe you're, maybe you're feeling brave. Say, Lord, give me one every day. When you learn that this walk with God is not just about you growing, but it's about you growing and grabbing as many people out of the depths of hell and pulling them along with you. It's life-changing. So let's sing this song. Let's just begin to just lift our hands. Hallelujah. 